0: So glad that you're here today. Uh, We all love the excitement of new beginnings and and today we get to celebrate that as it's that time of year when people are going back to school and families are getting into place and and how exciting it is for us here and also at our Birmingham campus to be welcoming so many college students. And and we all know that college is that, that chance of a brand new beginning. It's a chance where you sort of can wipe the slate clean, and you you meet new people, and you get to experience new things. I've been so excited to see my son Lincoln. He's been off at college uh, for two weeks now at Lipscomb University, and I can already tell an incredible difference in him. I think he's growing in some great ways. I mean, I was talking to him on the phone the other day, and he told me he'd actually cleaned his room. I thought, man, we're making progress. That's big time. If he can only learn when he does the laundry to sort the colors from the whites, we've got something special. And we we know it's that moment where you begin to develop your own faith. It's that moment when you begin to discover new things. I know in my life, I can look back in my college years as when I first found out about having a personal relationship with Jesus. where I first discovered that you didn't have to be perfect to go to heaven, there was something called the grace of God. And it was possible to have relationships that were beyond just surface matters. Relationships where you could pray together and where you could grow spiritually. And so it's a great time to say, you know what, I'm going to change. And and right now, at this point in our life as a church, as we've been praying and talking about revival, because this is a great opportunity for all of us to say, you know what, I really want to change. I want to be different. But let me tell you some bad news, then some good news, then let's get really practical this morning. First of all, the bad news about that is that you cannot change yourself. Have you discovered that? I cannot tell you the amount of people I run into who tell me at the first of the year, I no longer make New Year's resolutions. Well Why? Because we've always made all these resolutions and all these plans to change, and then it doesn't happen, and we're frustrated. And so it's easier to not say I'm change. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. God can change you. I mean, God's in the life-changing business. You know, when when God meets people, he revolutionizes their life, sometimes to the point that God had to change their names. I mean, Saul becomes Paul. Simon becomes Peter because the transformation was so great. I always wonder what must have happened when, when, when Simon went home, you know? During... Winter break, he had to talk to his parents. He said, guys, for now, and I want you to call me Peter. Well, what's that about? Well, I've got a new name now. I know you gave me the name Simon. Well, where did you get this new name? Well, God gave it to me. Well, guys, that's the way God can change your life. So the bad news is you can't change yourself. The good news is that God can change you. The practical news this morning is you must ask him to change you you got to ask Him to do that. Listen to me, friends. God is not a bully. God is not rude. God does not come into your life and make things happen that you don't want to happen. You ask Him. You're, you're familiar with James chapter 4, verse 2. James puts it very clearly there. You do not have because you do not what? Ask. I love Jeremiah chapter 37 where God makes some incredible promises to his people. I'm going to bless you, I'm going to give you this, I'm going to take you here. And then the last verse of that chapter, after God's made all those amazing promises, he says, I'm going to let you ask me for these things. You see, guys, if we really want to change, no, we can't change ourselves. Yes, God can, but we've got to invite him to change us. And so this morning, I want to introduce you rather quickly to what I call five high-risk prayers. When we talk about high risk and dangerous prayers, we're talking about prayers that might make you uncomfortable, might interrupt your life, will probably even bring a little pain in your life. They're risky. But tell me when you've ever grown in your life that you didn't take a risk. The first time you rode a bicycle, what did you do? You took a risk. The first time you swam, you took a risk. The first time you asked somebody on a date, wow, that was a risk. For some of you, the first time you came into church, that was a risk. For some of the rest of you, the first time you came to Landmark, that was a big risk. You see, we, we all have to take risk if we grow in any area of life. And if you'll begin to pray these five high-risk prayers, I'm going to tell you, God will change you. Now, let's look at, look at these. First of all, let's start with prayer number one. It's found in Psalms 139 verses 23 and 24. And let me tell you the background before we read this. In this psalm, David has said, Lord, you know everything about me. I mean, you know everything. Everything's exposed. And then David gets sort of angry about his enemies. And he starts asking God to obliterate, to slay, to kill his enemies because they're so awful it's almost like in that moment when he's so critical of his enemies that David has this moment that goes, oh, hold on a second, David. How's your heart? A lot of times we get in a mode where we can critique everybody else, but we don't ever go, you know what? I may have some issues in my life. I know there are issues. And that hits David. And so David prays this prayer, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What, what's David invite God to do? He says, God, I want to I move the spotlight from all of my enemies and let's take this spotlight, this floodlight, and I want you to put it on me and I want you to reveal to me anything in me that is offensive, that is not of you. My friends, that's a, that's a high-risk prayer because I will guarantee you, you start praying that, And God will start revealing those things. And you'll see some things about your motives and your attitude and your lust and all those kind of things that are maybe hidden deep in there that nobody else sees but God. And he'll begin to reveal the things that need to change. And that brings me to prayer number two, which is to break me. David says after his incredibly terrible sinful life and after he's been broken By Nathan's confrontation, the prophet Nathan, he says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. You see, I I think when God answered that search me prayer in David's life, he began to be broken. You see, my friends, why would you want to pray? Man, that's a scary prayer to me. Lord, break me. You might want to pray that because the greatest impediment and roadblock to you growing in the Lord is pride. That's the truth for all of us, is that we actually think we have it together. And so for God to to move in your life and to work in your life, you've got to be broken. You look back at the times of your life when you have grown the most. It's when God has taken away the most from you. When he breaks you, when the only direction you can look is... It's to Him. I mean, that, that's the order of the Beatitudes, which to me show the progression of spiritual growth. How does spiritual growth happen? When you're poor in spirit, what's that mean? That's poverty of spirit. When you recognize on your own, you don't have what it takes. When you begin to mourn, when you begin to be emptied into hunger and thirst for righteousness, and then you begin to become merciful, you begin to be pure in heart, you begin to be that persecuted peacemaker. What, what happened? It's a progression. But understand this it starts in brokenness, it always does. So I want to say to anybody here in this audience today maybe you've shown up to church and you look all good and everybody around you thinks you're okay, but you know you're broken. And let me say this, that may be the best place you've ever been in your life. Because that's the moment that God can move into your life and God can change you. And you know what God will do? He'll move into that brokenness and he'll rebuild you into somebody you would never have been without him. So pray that prayer if you're courageous enough. God, break me. Because when God strips us, of all the things in our life that mean too much to us, we find out that he's got to mean the most. And that's what happens in brokenness. And then look at number three. Stretch me. I love this story in Acts chapter 4. Peter and John have been persecuted. They've been thrown in jail. They've been threatened. If they keep preaching Jesus, they will be killed. What are you going to pray? Listen to what this church prayed. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Now, what would, he, what would have we prayed? I think I'd have prayed, Lord, protect us. God, get us out of here. Make sure Peter and John are never arrested again today. In, instead, they say, Lord, you know, we're under threat, but here we, we want to be even more bold for you. And might does God answer this prayer? In that chapter, you read the next verse, and the whole building is shaken. And they are shaken to the depths of their soul. And that church begins to be a bold church that shares Jesus everywhere, despite the persecution. Because listen to me, for, for you to grow spiritually, you've got to be stretched We all know, looking back at our life, it was moments when someone challenged us to get in the Bible that stretched us. When someone challenged us to rethink our theology, it stretched us. When someone said, would you pray with me, and we were so uncomfortable because we'd never prayed out loud with somebody one-on-one, it stretched us. We understand this, don't we? I mean, if you're going to get stronger in weightlifting, what do you have to do? You've got to tear your muscles. That's what you do. I mean, I've worked out for years, and, and really, I really had not worked out much. I just sort of piddle. I, I like to talk at the gym, and I like to visit with people and meet people. And, and I did those little sissy machine weights forever, you know. And so I, that, that's what I did. And about two years ago, a young married guy in this church who loves to work out invited me to go work out with him. And my goodness, he killed me. I, don't, I worked out with him once, all right? But, I mean, he killed me. I mean, he stretched every muscle. I mean, he said, if you're doing this many sets, you do more sets. If you're doing this amount of weight, you increase it. And, and frankly, over the last two years, I've done better in my whole life. I'm sure you can tell by my physique of, of just really. <laughs> that's why I wear this coat, just so you can't tell. But um, I'm telling you, it made all the difference in the world. And guys, spiritually, the same is true. You're not going to grow doing the same thing you've always done. You're not going to grow playing it safe. But it's when you begin to ask God to stretch you, to put you in situations where you've got to be bold for him. To go out and to share your faith with somebody when you're nervous about it. To reach out to someone who's fallen away from God and have that awkward conversation. To go deep in his word when it confuses you and may look a little bit different than what you grew up with. That's when we grow. So that's an incredible prayer for us to pray for God to stretch us. And then we go to prayer number four, which is for God to lead us. David prays, lead me, Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. God, I'm telling you what, I'm, 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 I'm giving you the keys. I'm getting out of the driver's seat. And, Lord, I, I'm sitting in the pastor's seat, and I want you to lead me. And, Lord, you decide on my career, and you decide on who I marry, and you decide on what I'll do. You take control. Now, how does God do that? Well, I'm going to tell you, he's going to lead you through his word. I mean, you're going to read scriptures that are going to convict you and go, you know what? I don't measure up to that. Or God's called me to do something different. He's going to prompt you through his Holy Spirit. Where his Holy Spirit just says, you know what? You need to call this person. Or the Holy Spirit may say to you and prompt you to go, you need to go visit this person. Or the Holy Spirit might say to you, you know what? It's time for you to change careers. One of the most exciting things we've seen in our campus ministry is the amount of kids who come through here and decided to go spend a year or two in China or to go into mission work or to go in the ministry because God would stretch them and then God would lead them. And then number five is the prayer, use me. And I, I love where this one happens in Isaiah because Isaiah has gone through everything we've talked about so far Isaiah has come before God and when he came before God oh my goodness in, in light of the holiness of God he found out how sinful he was if I could tell the college students today in one line what I learned in college here's what it would be I was a whole lot worse than I ever thought I was. And God was a whole lot better than I thought he was. Anybody learned that one? And and, and that's what's going on in Isaiah. He's thrown into the presence of God. I mean, he sees God's glory. He sees his own sinfulness. He falls down before God and says, God, I need you to get away from me, Lord. I mean, I I can't, I I don't deserve to be in your presence. I can't join with the angels in this worship scene in heaven, Lord. I, I am a ruined man get away from me. And yet God won't get away from him. And God calls him. And finally, by the end of the passage, listen to what Isaiah said. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. That's wild. Did you see what happened? Isaiah comes before God, he doesn't even feel worthy to join in the praise of God, more or less to go on a mission for God. I mean, he knows how messed up his life is, he doesn't, he's not worthy to be around God. But by the time we get to the end of this passage, God's saying, I need somebody to go represent me and preach for me. I need someone to go tell my story. And Isaiah raises his hand and says, Lord, I tell you what, make it me. That's what God will do when you go through this progression of allowing God to search your heart and reveal those things, of breaking you, of stretching you, of leading you. And you begin to be the tool in His hand. Let me challenge everybody in here be His useful vessel. God's calling you for a mission. Will you raise your hand with Isaiah and say, Lord, I know how screwed up I am and how messed up I've been. And I know how gracious you've been because you have gone from the altar and you have cleansed my lips like you did Isaiah. And you've made me new. And now, Lord, I want to be used by you. And and listen to me. That doesn't take 20 years for you to come to that conclusion. With, With Isaiah, it happened in one scene where he goes from, Lord, I'm not worthy to, Lord, I'll tell you what, if you need somebody to go tell people about you, I'll do it. I I, want to ask you, are you willing, church, to stretch yourself to be used by God? We have a challenge right now as a church that we want to reach out in a special way to people who don't know the Lord, who've never known the Lord. Lord, you guys, the Lord didn't put us here just to have a nice, sweet church. He put us here to represent Him and to spread His Word. I'm asking you, who lost are you trying to reach for Christ? And we're also under a challenge not just to reach those who have never known the Lord, but some of those who have known the Lord, who for whatever reason have drifted, as the Bible says, have wondered and are no longer walking in fellowship with God. Can I ask you, who's on your heart? You say, but that makes me a little uncomfortable. I, I, I've never done that. This is your chance to say, stretch me, Lord. This is your chance to say, lead me, Lord. I, I don't know right now who I would reach out to. Lord, lead me to that person. I guarantee you, you will never pray that prayer that God will not lead you in front of somebody that you could tell something good about Jesus. It may be someone that you knew that was a part of this church 10 years ago, but you watched them slowly drift away, and you're going to be the one to reach out to them. Let me tell you, you will never find more joy in your life than when you're living with that kind of purpose. When someone sits with you and says, you know what, I I, got to tell you, Like those people in the video about Nathan. Man, God used you to change my life. He used you. Now, a couple things before we close out here. I think here's the big question when it comes to praying these prayers. Because these are not the safe little Lord, protect me prayers, make me healthy, Lord, bless me, Lord. They're not, those are good prayers, but these 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 are prayers of growth. Lord, would you search me? God, God, I really would like you to, to reveal to me what's not up to your quality. Would you break me, Lord, to the point that I would turn to you? Oh, Father, would you stretch me? Put me in a situation where I've got to grow. I might have to tear a few muscles so I can get bigger. Lord, would you lead me? I want to be where you, guys, let me tell you guys in life, there's nothing more satisfying than being where God wants you to be, doing what God wants you to do. That's an incredible feeling. And Lord, would you, God, would you use me? I, I know my past doesn't look so good. I know my present's not exactly perfect, but I know you select people like me to be used. So is it worth it? I mean, listen to me, guys. Life is sort of a bet, you know that? There's an old French philosopher in the 17th century called Pascal. And he was famous for his apologetic for Christianity called Pascal's Wager. And what Pascal believed is that every one of us has got to bet our life on something. And he's saying you're either going to bet your life on belief or you're going to bet your life on unbelief. He says, in in view of the risk of not believing, and when Jesus comes back, Pascal says, it makes a whole lot more sense to bet your life on God. But I think today we might need to say to the people of God, are you going to bet your life on living wholeheartedly for God? Or are you going to keep playing it safe? Are you just going to be a nominal American Southern christian that the only difference in you and the people around you is that you happen to go to church are you going to be something incredible someone incredible for god are you willing I'm, i'm telling you is it worth it let's think about one of the characters we've been looking at today someone who prayed every one of these prayers that i've talked about that's david where would have david been without asking god to change him If David had not prayed these prayers, I mean, we we got enough information in Scripture to know David's natural inclinations. Like all of us, King David was selfish. King David was lustful. King David was covetous. King David, excuse me, could even be murderous. I mean, he he had it in him for all of those things. That was that's the natural path, guys. If you don't pray these prayers, if you don't ask God to stretch you and use you and break you and remold you, well, then you end up just doing what you naturally do. And the truth is, for most of us, that's not a real pretty picture. But thank goodness, as we read through the Psalms, despite David's weakness and frailties, he prayed these prayers. And so when we get through the life of David, and he's mentioned in the New Testament, he's not mentioned for his murder. He's not mentioned for his adultery. He's not mentioned for his lust. He's not mentioned for his selfishness. He's mentioned as the man after God's own heart. He's mentioned as the man whose heart best matches God's heart. Is that amazing? Let me tell you this. It was because he prayed these high-risk prayers. So here's my... Discussion with you. Is it worth it? Okay. Is it worth it to not pray him? Do you really want to go toward your natural inclinations and the natural man and just be who you would be? Are you willing to pray these prayers so that God, it may not be overnight, but slowly but surely, can mold you into the image of Jesus Christ? I'm telling you, it is absolutely worth it. Just ask King David. Because at some point in our life, we're going to face that everything's not going to work out. I mean, you may be young, you may be a student here today, and your life's in front of you, and you are so healthy, and you're so full of life, and man, everything's falling in place for you. Or you may be middle-aged, and right now, my goodness, you've got this beautiful family growing up around you, and everything is just awesome. And those are wonderful days we experience. But all of us will experience a day when those things fall apart. Listen to this quotation from Timothy Keller in his book about pain and suffering. Really, really touched me. No matter what precautions we take, no matter how well we have put together a good life, no matter how hard we work to be healthy, wealthy, comfortable with friends and families, and successful with our career, something will inevitably ruined it. Whew. That's a tough statement. But here's what Keller's trying to say. In that moment when your health falls apart or your family fell apart or you lose your career, it's the moment that you find out what is most important to you. And you find out the one thing that's eternal and stable, which is God. This week we uh, honored and celebrated the life of Shane Prater. Shane was 30 years old. He passed away. Shane was one of those college students who didn't quite know what he's going to do. In fact, he made a tour of southern colleges. He went to the University of Alabama, he went to Harding University, he went to Shelton State, he went to Faulkner, and he went to Troy. And, and, and Shane, just, Shane was one of those young people full of energy and going in all kinds of directions. Later he joined the Air Force. Shane would be the first to tell you he went through a period of his life where where he fell from God. But in the long run, because of these prayers, Shane was molded. And when we met this Wednesday to celebrate his life, I'm telling you, we celebrated his life. Because despite the fact that all of his plans... Despite the fact he was a great athlete and a a great musician and he was in a wreck and then had cancer back to back. And all of those skills, all the things he loved were ripped away from him. But here's the beautiful thing about Shane Prater. In that moment, he found out that what he really loved more than baseball or piano was God. And nobody could take that away from him. And so as you and I have watched him the last two and a half years, we have seen this impetuous young man who never finished anything finished life strong. And he taught us how to live and he taught us how to die because he died with great faith. And my friends, all of us are going to face that moment, whether we're 30 or whether we're 60 or whether we're 90. It's some place we face that moment. And that's why it's so important that we pray these kind of prayers. Because when we pray these kind of prayers, God prepares us. He molds us. Because we begin to recognize the things that really matter. And our faith is stretched and it's grown. So when we finally face that moment when the things we thought were so important are, are ruined, we can hold on to the one thing that really matters and we can finish strong. And so today, I want to say to you, the risk will be taken away from these prayers when you find out or you remember who you're praying them to. All right? I'm going to ask you today, are, are, you, are you willing for us to pray one of these prayers for you? We're about to sing in just a moment. And, and maybe you say, buddy, I don't know that I've got the strength to pray that prayer. Man, for, for me to ask God to to actually search my heart and tell me what's not right with me? For me to ask God to break me? You've got to be kidding me. I'm scared to death of that. To stretch me? I understand that. That's why I call these high-risk prayers. I think the risk is far outweighed by the blessings. But there are moments you think, I couldn't pray that because no telling what would happen. And here's why I want to invite you. Maybe you can't pray that by yourself, but maybe we could pray that with you. The purpose of church is to be a place where you are encouraged. And the, the truth is, maybe you don't have the courage right now to pray that on your own, but if you would come before us today, we could give you the courage for us to pray that prayer together. And so this morning, if you want us to pray for you, that God would stretch you that God would break you, that God would search you, that God would use you, that he would lead you. If you need that prayer today and you need us to do it together, why don't you come right now while we stand and sing?